price drop? Time to shop. Get to a Nordstrom Rack store today for first dibs on new markdowns. Now score even more, up to 70% off brands everyone loves at Nordstrom Rack. Denim, dresses, sneakers, tops, and more. Plus, get genius deals on jackets, sweaters, and boots for the whole family. Shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and save up to 70% with new markdowns. But hurry, deals this great won't last. The legends are true. Overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Put your right hand in the box. What's in the box? And stop. Put your hand in the box. I hold at your neck. The gong trip off. It's not fear. Fear is the mind killer. And fear is the little death that brings total obliteration. But I will face my fear. I want you to pass over me and throw me. The Duke will die before these eyes and he'll know. He'll know that it is I. The Sleeper Awakens. Hi, I'm Timothy Shamalai. I'm the superstar of the new Dune film. I don't know if you heard, but I just want to thank my mommy and daddy for purchasing Henry Zabrowski ear and Holden McNeely double ear. <laughs> For making this Dune podcast so that I can finally learn what this is all about. And I tell you, I've done a lot of fucked up things in my small, tiny acting career. I once came in an apricot and I gave it to a cannibal. And he ate it in front of me. And I was like, wow, that's cool. Right. How many different types of fruit have you put cum into? And a, fed banana, to a, banana. a banana, a strawberry. How do you get a banana? A Hannah do melon. <laughs> have you ever had? Oh, hold on. I bet you've never had Hannah do melon. Oh, uh, I've had, I think I've had that LaCroix flavor. Yeah, it's just as good. <laughs> All right. Welcome to Dunecast. I must not fear. fear I is- just, like, this is the thing. You automatically jump into the litany of fear. Yeah, We've I'm talking sorry. about this, but what is the purpose of it? Because you want to talk about the litany of fear. I, I could see. Some your- argue it means nothing, some argue that it means. You, you would deign. <laughs> To begin this I would episode. deign Judy Ditch to begin this episode by saying what? that. I because honestly, first of all, I'm shirked and upset. That's the first word I'll use is shirk. Shirked. Because the litany of it's fear. It's a tiny shark, right? Have you ever used <laughs> filled with rage? Did you ever use the litany of fear in a moment when you were afraid? Uh there was this time, right, when I was tiny. And I was climbing up a big Timothy, old, when you're being a Timothy? Yep. Climbing up. You know how you when you climb up a big old tree and no. then you realize you're too high, you don't know how to get down? No. Nope. Pecan trees in my grandma's backyard. Nope. I didn't stay no fucking litany. I man, I, I slutted up, I nutted up, and I fucking slid down that tree and I got a bunch of cuts on my thigh, but that's fine. You deserved it. Yeah. I used the litany of fear in auditions. Ooh. And see how well it's going. And, and beta blockers. I, I haven't been using beta blockers. Jackie got me on them. Uh, Jackie wanted me to do them, but I haven't tried them yet. Okay, gotcha. Um, oh, here we go. So now, last we left, 
I believe uh, we left um, the very beginning of book three. We now know that Paul is getting a little intense. The way this next book starts, so it goes back into the Harkonnen lands, which uh, we kind of neglected last episode because mainly we were talking about the prophet going into the desert to get its his final training to in order to be his final form. But the Harkonnens, they are in the middle of their plans. And I forgot about the scene that they have because Fade Rautha, in that scene, it's in the middle of book two where Fade Rautha is killing slaves for his birthday. Yes. And they're all, it's like, you know, it's faint within faint within faint because what you find out is that now Baron Harkonnen's been using Thufir Hawat, but so is Fade Rautha. But because Thufir Hawat is one of the most capable war minds in the world. They don't understand that they brought a fox into their own hen house. Right. And he wants to hold a slave of Palooza. Everybody does. <laughs> but it's hard to do. It's hard to keep him there because of the open, the no gates. Right. At a right. Palooza. <laughs> and so they, they, he does this whole presentation where they're supposed to kill a gladiator, right? So Fade Ralpha, who's very skinny, which is the thing that they keep saying in the book. They keep all mentioning, I mean, like, uh, there's a boy who will go to fat, <laughs> which I think is strange. Because yeah. Frank Herbert being like, again, look at a picture of Frank Herbert. Look at a picture of me. Yeah. Look at a picture of Holden. Yeah. Just swap heads. Don't look at a picture of me. This, I'm saying swap heads. <laughs> all, again, Alistair Crowley, L. Ron Hubbard, uh, Buddha, all of the best people in the world have the same body. Big titties. Yes. So the Fade Ralph is supposed to kill a gladiator, right? So the idea is that in this world, they drug up a fighter dude and Fade Routh is supposed to fight this fighter dude in order to prove his masculinity. But they drug up the guy and then the prince is about to come out and be like, and now I stab you. And so this guy is not drunk because that's the whole thing. What they didn't know is he wanted the audience to see, oh, this gladiator isn't drunk. This is going to be, oh, a true test of Fade Routh's skills, right? And so the whole people, all the audience going like, kill him, kill him, kill him. But the fighter dude he's cut himself and on his own blood he drew the red hawk that shows that he's one of the old fucking swordsmen of the the duke's men right and he's just like now we'll see we'll see young master if you'll be able to best me in this contest of the world does he have a cockney accent i don't know (laughs) why is he a poor english i don't know um but he uh, but that dude doesn't understand that Thufir Hawat and Fade Routha have now had this plan where he would be able to say this command word where he'd go, scum, and then his body would go limp and he'd be able to stab him. Right. But all of this was supposed to show Thufir Hawat is playing these two morons against each other because Baron Harkonnen is very smart. He's a very capable villain. Again, if you read they the books- They always said it. He's as smart as he is fat and ugly. It's- it's one of those like backwards compliments right he is a guy he was being nagged by a pickup artist in that situation but yes he's by his suspenser tailor he did end up fucking that guy though so that's against his will and then fucking slit his fucking throat because there's a lot of that happening every single time he has sex with the boy the boy doesn't make it right he takes the heart juice from him let's hear it for the boys um Baron Harkonnen sees that Fade Routha has set this up that they, they, first of all, they, he's, he sees 
through the bullshit, and he sees that Fade Rautha has done this to essentially pin all of this on the slave master who set all of this up right. in front of him. But what the but the real game here is Fade Rautha is trying to say, I don't need you, Baron Harkonnen, to be in charge of this whole fucking thing. Their inner schemes are already going. And Harkonnen is also now seeing this ahead of time. Uh, he's going to have to figure out how to control Fade Rautha within his own house before he can go on and handle all of the massive problems he's having on Arrakis as it is. Because his bullshit's falling apart. The Emperor's agent is there being like, we know for a fact that you are fucking with the spice numbers. We know for a fact that you're fucking with the number of Fremen because Baron Harkonnen keeps saying there's no Fremen on Arrakis. But meanwhile, there's a lot of research, according now in a later scene in book three, according to Thufir Hawat, they think there's probably about 12 million Fremen on Arrakis that are all bloodthirsty, awful, fucking, the worst enemies you can imagine having out in the middle of the inhospitable desert. Can I ask an asshole question that I'm sure you don't know the answer to? Great. Uh, how how big is Arrakis, maybe, I guess, in comparison to, like, let's say, Earth? Is it about Earth-sized? Is mm. it, is it, do we know any of that? Like, Let uh, me just reach into my ass. <laughs> I told uh, you you weren't going to know the answer. Uh, I was just curious uh, to know if it was smaller, if it was It bigger. big. <laughs> it is I think big. it be. It is big. <laughs> but it is big. But the part of the, do you think this, it, do you think the core is of molten lava? I think it's all sand, dude. <laughs> oh, okay. It's held together by tape. Oh, okay. They realize as they were doing so. Baron Harkonnen, I realized it was like a plot line that we should cover where Baron Harkonnen. He keeps comparing Arrakis. He keeps comparing Arrakis to a guy named Larry. Larry. He's just like, Larry's all covered in sand. Larry's got worms. <laughs> he keeps comparing Arrakis to Seleucus Segundus, which oh, is the prison plant. We, I mean, ugh. yeah. But again, we, there's such a difference between East Seleucus Segundus and West Seleucus Segundus. And have you ever been, have you ever been down to Seleucia Town? Absolutely, man. They always say, if you want to get Lusa, go to Seleucia. Hey, man, have you ever been to Nosase? North Seleucia Segundus? This is incredible neighborhood. I've heard it's really up and coming. It's very gentrified. They got a lot of face dancers moving in. Oh, yeah. Seleucia Segundus is the prison planet that the Sardaukar, right? The emperor's men, the most treasured, most powerful fighting force in the entire universe. They live on this place, Seleucia Segundus, which is- they are raised as little kids, kind of like in Conan, where they raise little kids in total hardship from the very, very first moments of their life to the idea to breed a super strong varietal of humankind that then receives the best military training available. So you create these like bunch of hard asses. But Harkonnen views the Arrakis essentially as I'm going to make this a new Seleucus Segundus. I'm going to make this a prison planet. But the emperor is not into it because the emperor, what you find out in this little scene, the real reason why he ended up killing the Duke Leto was because he knew the actual power of the Fremen on the planet. Mm. And he knew that the emperor knew that Duke Leto, if he figures out how to harness all of the shit that he's talking about with what Duke Leto probably already has, which is the second strongest fighting force in the universe. The Atreides clan were fucking badasses. And so he was in a lot of danger. The emperor, even though Duke Leto 
all he really wanted was the nut in Jessica. He just wanted yeah. love. He didn't know about the inner working to Leda. Big nut. Yeah, he wanted a big nut. But he looked at Duke Leto and he just assumed Duke Leto was going to come for me next. Yeah. So yeah. he knocked out Duke Leto, but he didn't understand that Duke Leto barely wanted Arrakis. He just wanted to live his life. He was technically was a decent man who was just trying to do his job. But Harkonnen, he does want to take the Emperor's spot. Yes. So his goal was just like, I'm going to try and flip Arrakis into this new prison planet. And so that's what he, but what ends up happening is now we're in book three. Does he have any awareness of the Sandworm Spice con- Nothing. connection? He doesn't so understand any of the all, geography or anything. won't. Look into it. Yeah. He actively won't. Is he going to try to? So is this also? There's something he wants about to that, terraform. Who's trying to terraform Arrakis at this point? Just the, is G, he, right now, the only people that are technically trying to terraform Arrakis are the Fremen. Fremen, right? Yeah. No one else has an interest in terraforming Arrakis. Why did they want? It? Knowing worshiping the Worm and everything, why? Why would they? Why they, they want to create do a separate separate area with water and stuff? Well, they basically they will go. They will the the Shai Halud will continue to make spice because they if they don't have spice, they will die. Yeah, because it's they are addicted to it. Yeah, and it's like heroin where you get like you can't. Not have it anymore. It's once better you've grown than all the cocks in all the world. I, so I read that scene in the book too when she's just the baby dies and mm. she's just like, oh, it's the spice is better than all the cocks in all the world. This didn't happen. Doesn't talk like Rose Leslie. There is no scene <laughs> in that. You know nothing, Jon Snow. <laughs> I was talking, I'm referencing train spotting. Oh, you are? Oh, remember? yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Remember she's right. talking about the heroin? Oh. Better than all the cocks and all. You don't remember I was, that scene? I don't remember that scene. Oh, it's a great scene. It's been scene. a while. Yeah. I was doing, you know nothing, John Snow. <laughs> um, that too, though. That's also been there. So book three begins. Cuts to two years after we last saw Paul. We know that Jessica has become the Sayadina of the Fremen group. Two years has passed. What they now know, the only thing the Harkonnens know is that this massive religion is getting bored in the desert. But Thufir Hawat, in all of his wisdom, keeps telling them, being like, let them have their religion. Let them have it. Because the goal is they're trying to keep things copacetic on Arrakis. Mm-hmm. Because right now, it's been two years of the Beast Raban fucking killing people. And so the entire planet, is in the middle of a revolt. Everything's falling apart. And Arkanen uh, is not doing well. Not right to now. be too much of a nerd at you right now, but doing a little bit of my scramblings and research, this is actually quite parallel to the fall of the Roman Empire and the introduction of Christianity. Absolutely, which is why there's a lot of people who wonder if Jesus Christ, the if he was even a real person, wow. if that character that was created. How you have to how that has it's, to be brought up. It's just the truth is if that if he I was love Jesus. Hellish rebuke. I still love from Kissel. Hellish rebuke. <laughs> um, but the idea that they, there is there there is a conspiratorial view that he was never real and he was created to sow uh, wild oats, wild oats, sure, <laughs> discord, sow resentment within the people in order so to do this a blanket to, to stabilize the Roman boy. Empire. <laughs> I'll yell all day. Um, so they they said, but yeah, here's my advice to all y'all: if okay. um, if you're running a planet, lay it, lay it down on us. My thing to me as a god emperor in training, uh, okay. you know, fingers crossed. Well, uh, if I can get into it, uh, if you know, it's nice work. If you can get all it, right, all right, just like give us the information. I, we get out of here. Um, if there's a burgeoning <laughs> new religion, yeah. on your planet, yes. 
get rid smash of it. it, baby. Get, get but, rid but of it. Are, are the Bene Gesserit working at all with the Emperor and with Harkonnen? Everything is out of fucking sorts right now. Okay. The Bene Gesserit are completely un- they're they're on, they're all running their own lines because there's also there's the scene where Count Fenring, who was one of the was the Emperor's agent that came and when he was he was at the dinner scene in the beginning when Duke Leto does his whole like we are all fakers like he has his he ruins <laughs> yeah. dinner. Um, yeah. Count Fenring. He does a Thanksgiving special for uh, everybody in the kingdom. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, he They go to Getty Prime to suffer. That, that's where they go to the slave killing party. And Count Fenring, his wife is Benny Gesserit. And essentially, they have this thing where she goes like, uh, well, I have to go get Fade Routha to put a baby in me. And, he, and he's just like, you know, like he has this one line, which is very like, fourth wall breaking for some reason that Frank Herbert has where he's just like, you know, there's just like, there's like a thing about this that's like, I just, it's so used to, I have to get used to you fucking people, you know? <laughs> and she's like, yeah, yeah, it is the thing, but I'm Benny Jesseret and my job is to hold babies inside of my pussy. I have to, I guess I have to put on these high heels and step on cockroaches until Fed Routh gets hard enough for me to- That is literally what she him. has to go do. <laughs> Like she has to find a way That's to seduce his thing. him. That's his situation. That's what he likes. Well, you find out later on in a scene with Harkonnen and Fade Routha is that, that the Fade Routha now spends most of his time in the quote unquote slaves quarters where he goes, he has sex with all the female slaves. And every single time he goes to have sex with all the female slaves, Harkonnen goes and kills all of them um, because he can't have him have any side connections. And mm. they're all trying to fight each other. Like Fade Routha and Baron Harkonnen are like, they have to literally have to sit down truce where Harkonnen's like, listen, I have to have you. Stop trying to kill me. It's literally it's literally what the White House was like at the end of 2020. It really was. It is. <laughs> I hate keeping drawing parallels, but it's just something about how just Harkonnen absolute, is Everyone's just, at each other's throat. No one's communicating properly. Nothing's happening. The country's falling. The country, the planet is falling <laughs> apart. Harkonnen's just worried about like, he he's just like, because- we Even Ralph the sandworms are like, I think I got to vote Paul. He's like, yeah, honestly, I think we're going Green Party. Where's Ralph Nader? Um, Fade Routh that tries to trap Harkonnen by sending him a boy with a poison needle stuck right, right next to his dick. Yes. So because he knew that that's where God, Bear is just like, book uh, is so fucked up. That's it's how far Harkonnen, he knew that that's exactly where I would place my hand. <laughs> and he's like, <laughs> he thought that he would, but I knew. And he came in, he was like, the signs of epic struggle in the room of him just like murdering this young boy. Harkonnen's for Epstein. That's Harkonnen. I mean, they're all pretty close. Yeah. But, now, so they're they're they don't know what the hell's going on, but the big bombshell comes when Thufir Howitt says, I think there's about 12 million Fremen still out there. And he's just like, um what? <laughs> so like he tries to act like it's not a problem, and he's just like, Oh, this is uh this is a problem. Cut two, two years later. Big time jump. Big time jump. Whoa! Oh, oh. Whoa! Paul is in a word. I'm going to say he's going into God mode. Yes. It's now been two years of Modib. Paul Modib is the prophet inside of the CHs. He is kind of the unofficial leader of the Fremen somehow. Still, there are people that are the official. It's causing tension now because there are people basically saying you're too powerful to not be the leader, which means you might have to kill Stilgar, as is the custom of our people. But he's becoming, I think this is where I can really see the Timothy Chamelet in this uh, story because 
It's like he spends all day like in repose, closing his eyes and having visions and and traveling through space time in his own brain. And so I can just see it's the same as being like, don't knock on Timothy's trailer. He's doing his plotties right now. Like, you know, like it is very, it's like, that's how he gets his acting tightness. <laughs> but he goes, Paul is, you know, very precious now. He is, he is very, you know, aloof and very intense. The inward gaze, which is in my mind, I just keep imagining people just cross-eyed walking around because Reverend Mother is traveling through space-time at all times. Inward gaze again, you could say, um, um, first of all, that sounds like a slur, but uh, also you could say that... Uh, <laughs> Lindsey Graham is a real inward gaze. <laughs> Here we have to cut it. It's very funny. Uh, but I will say, oh, I completely lost my dream. <laughs> we can keep oh, that. Oh, oh, it's connected to, I think, meditation in Zen Buddhism, if you want to take it to the real world. Of again. course, of course. A reality check. It's like meditating. The inward gaze is literally just med a meditation session, right? Like well, a long the, the way I would describe it is uh, when you get into ritual magic, there's this kind of trap that they tell you to avoid, which is the aloofness of the wizard, which mm. is this idea that you, if- Don't even, I hate an aloof wizard. I, I, I They are annoying. Stand. Yeah. I, I've dealt with them. Yeah. I've rented an Airbnb out. Too. I am not even joking. I dealt with wizards. <laughs> and every time you speak to an aloof wizard, you have to just be like, yeah, but okay. What about your utilities? <laughs> because this guy, because Paul is just kind of in a haze, but he still has another fucking test. He has to, in order to be a real Fremen, he has to, because every Fremen by the age of 12 has already ridden a sandworm. Yes. And this is a big tell, right? Now we've seen these Fremen Riding the sandworm like it's easy. It's obviously very dangerous. But they look at this shit as like it's a bus. Meanwhile, now everybody's afraid of him and in awe of him. I also kind of do feel, again, it's not bad for Paul. It's just that Paul, it's very heavy situation that he is in the middle of that he is dealing with. He is the Quitsack Cataract. He's now conceded. Like, he's still like technically not sure, but he can feel it a little bit. He's like, I, I'm dealing with all this shit. Everybody's pressuring me. Again, Timothy Shamalingdong. Timothy, he's got to get the right salad or he's not going to be able to get to the sandworm riding scene. If he doesn't get his ASMR treatments in he, before whoa, shooting, whoa, you better load a gun. Whoa, buddy. You better load a gun and point it at your fucking genitals. If, if someone doesn't massage his lower back with cream today... <laughs> Timothy is not going to have the proper pinched face it's going to take to look like he's hot on a desert and not in a green screen studio. Yeah. And so when he goes out to catch the sandworm, it's a very big moment, right? Because all of the other people who've done enough, because then there's a part of me being like, the Fremen are really excited for him to do this, but they've all become obsessed with the Lisan al-Gaib, right? They, which I realize that is the, that is called the man from other worlds. This is just how deeply the Benny Jesuit fucked these people. Right. Where they basically just said being like, he's a tiny white boy who's going to come from another star. You know, like, it's just like, <laughs> like okay, I guess this is star the dude. Oh man waiting in the sky. That's how Boardworm started. Yeah. If you want to know a little bit of oh, murder for sketch. Yeah, yeah. We want to talk about our sketch group. That Yeah, everyone, yeah, no one cares. Knows, everyone knows everything about that. They don't. <laughs> 
We got very close to getting a TV show. Almost too close. <laughs> Some would say we were too good at getting a TV show to get one. That was the thing. That's what we kept saying. It was too, They said too revolutionary. It would be too much for television. They said our career trajectory was too feasible. They, they couldn't deal with it. Sh- they yeah. said, they'll fuck with the whole power structure. They're right. going to be the new MGM. Yeah, yeah. And we can't have that. <laughs> Problem with Quintech Hatterack as well. Uh, too much potential. Too much. Hop, hop, hooray. Nordstrom Rack's got sweet deals on everything Easter, which is Sunday, March 31st. Get to Nordstrom Rack now and save on Kate Spade, New York, Two-Faced, Steve Madden, Calvin Klein, and more from just $30. Score great brands and great prices on Easter looks for everyone, plus spring decor, gifts, and all kinds of deliciousness. Rack up the deals today at your Nordstrom Rack store. What will you find? The legends are true. Overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10 piece Wick Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba da ba ba ba. Go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. And so the sandworm comes. Obviously, he's gonna fucking ride it. Yeah. And so he comes. He's, he's got the like, hooks. Hey, big boy. Hey, big boy. You're just the tiny little boy I thought was gonna ride me today. And then Timothy's like, "Ouch! Oh, these poles are rough on my hands. Can we actually get some kind of softening on these Cut. sticks here? Can someone please bring just, some pole I really gel? Hurt. Do we even have oh, pole just, gel? It's this front mound underneath my index finger. It's pink. Right. Right. All right. I have to definitely consult with. Timothy's Zendaya consultation. We have to read the scene again. Ooh, is Zendaya in it? I don't know. I love her. We all do. (laughs) I've been told I do. (laughs) You've been told you have to. I do. I. She's a beautiful woman. Girl, very talented girl. She's fourteen years old. She might be. She's definitely. You can't be in a room. I don't want to look at her. You're not allowed to be within fifty feet of her. If Zendaya was in this room, I'd be looking at the ceiling. I'd be looking at my shoes or the ceiling. I wouldn't even. I wouldn't even speak. I was once in, in the same room as Lupita Nyong'o. Oh God! I literally just. I almost yeah. just covered my eyes because I knew my eyeballs shouldn't be directly on Lupita Nyong'o. Just look at the ceiling. Just start singing old obscure folk songs. You're just like came up on the mountain top. Well, well. Oh yeah, she loved that. She yeah. loved that though. She loved it. Um. So yeah, he he gets in the fucking sandworm. Right. Yeah, and it's a big deal. It. It's a huge, massive deal, by the way. It's we're a huge We're definitely scene. kind of blowing it off. It's a massive It's a very deal. massive part of this story. He it gets is cool, up there. too, with the hooks, Oh, right? it's fucking sweet so, as hell. Yeah, can you describe idea, what it is? So yeah. basically, you pop a thumper in. Thump, the thumper thump, uh, draws thump, the sandworm through you. Thump, but we talked about this last episode. Yeah, yeah, with this noise. We're going to have to not always define every single thing we talk about later on in the future because we are going to never stop. Because right. eventually, you're just going to have to jump into Dune World and get used to it. You're taking it off to the side. I just very I'll briefly said it called the sandworm. This table all at, at all you. we had to do was move. I will moving. fucking torpedo you. A fucking chest bump. So anyways, we get past the sandworm riding and we thump, move on thump. to the next. <laughs> so don't, don't, don't. No, he sees the sandworm crest. He knows that he has to go. He's got these two hooks in his hands. And so the goal is that you have to get it into the segments, pull the segment back Ugh. so that it exposes the inner meat, the inner tendrils to the... Ex- and then what will happen is, is that the worm will naturally roll to the exposed segment of being on top so that you can ride it for as long as you want. And he gets up there and Stilgar 
they all, you know, surprise. Like everybody's, everybody oh, cries. Fuck. They're like, yeah. it's also the one thing I will say about this book, though, because I'm listening to the audiobook of it, because the Fremen are obviously, they're supposed to be like vaguely Middle Eastern, but hearing the, like the author reader dude, just basically just going like, ah, young Paul, hey, wonderful you have done. I just love, I love their Fremen voice. Right. And so they're up on the worm and they're all like going, la, 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 like super excited that he's fucking riding the worm. But then, you know, Silgar's trying to be like Josh, he's just been like, Ah, yes. It's like, we'll see how you do this when you are a real sand rider. And then um, Paul like looks at him being like, I am a real sand rider. Like, real bitchy. Yeah, right? Being like, all right, bro. And this way, you're just like, I get it. You're the bad. Ugh, uh, God, I, I had know. to deal with this kid in acting's class. Uh, always. Right? That being was like, that kid in acting's class. Timothy Shamaling yeah. a ding dong. It was that number one. He was all, he always killed it. You'd be like, ha- you, you could tell he was hungover when he came in the room. You could just tell he didn't even know. Just crushed it. Everybody all loves it. Yep. Yeah, you're like, finally, he's going to get up there and eat ass in front of our acting teacher. And instead, you hear the slow clap at the end and just like, it was marvelous. And that is why <laughs> I take my teacher scarf off and I put it on you. Your the teacher has become the student. And you mean, like, meanwhile, it's just like him going like, Stella. Yeah. And then I get up there. It's just like, um, can I start? Um, I didn't get it. Leave this class. What you were doing, everything you did was a fallacy. Yeah, exactly. Um, you were in acting school and I don't know how you got there. Ugh. Weed. Anyways, I was going to make this uh, bad joke. Ride it, my sandworm. But I decided not to. We're keeping it now. <laughs> now that's in the show. Ride it, my, my sandworm. sandworm. This is like riding my pony. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he rides a sandworm. Everyone's just like, hey. Um, yeah, yeah. First thing he says is like, it's we're whatever. going south. Whoa. Because what they said, apparently, the, the person who catches the sandworm gets to choose where it goes. Right. And so in the south, two years later, their fucking system has gotten very, very intricate. And they have been actively warring with the Harkonnens and blowing these motherfuckers up. Yeah, this is the big thing. This is when we kind of, the tides start turning. They just sort of start going to different, essentially like places where they're har- harvesting spice, right? Oh or yeah, blowing them up. They're just, just getting rid, just fucking up the whole Harkonnen spice effort going Oh yeah, on. dude. Emperor they are Harkonnen spice effort. And they are actively losing. And, you, and then the Harkonnens basically reveal that they're every single time they kill 15,000 Fremen, it takes them 30,000 dudes. So they're losing two to one. Yeah. Each time they go and fight the Fremen, they are, they're losing dudes and they're losing bad. And now Paul's gotten, he's technically a full Fremen. They go down to the south where they, they're supposed to go down to the south where they reach, they're supposed to go, they keep their women and their children. In the southern area. So Cheney's there. Also, Aaliyah has been birthed. At this Aaliyah point. has been birthed. And Aaliyah is a little weird. Um, so they go, you're supposed to go down south. The first thing that happens, though, they see an ornithopter. And they're like, oh, fuck, Harkonnen Patrol. Let's fucking do this shit. Did they see it? And they're like, all right, we're going to fuck this guy up. So they set up this like whole fucking trap. It's a sm- it turns out to be a smuggler ship. They're like, oh, dick, we got this motherfucker. And it lands. They start killing these dudes. Except one of these guys is really fucking familiar. And guess who it is? It's our fucking boy, Gurney Halleck. Yep. And he shows up and everybody's just like, because fucking Paul, he's like super skinny now. You know what I mean? And like, he sees Paul for the first time. And, you know, like, he's like, ah, there's no reason to continue fighting, old friend. It is me. It is your dude. And he's like, my man, my young man, my young man. And they see each other and they hug. Stilgar's super jealous. Because yeah. Stilgar, he's the old man best friend. Right. That's the, oh, 
no, that's your old, old man friend. I was your old man friend. Yeah. So they got standoff because it's like, just turns into a high school like situation where like these two grown ultimate warriors are super jealous over who's the best friend of the 17 year old boy. There's a set of girls in the corner just dancing that weird circle. You know, it is literally, it is the probably the Principato. I mean, who's the management team of Timothy Chameleon? The two old men that both wish they were the closest to Timothy Chameleon. Epstein one and Epstein two. Both of them wishing that they could get in there. They're this is them right there. Are the Harkonnens, the Clintons in this scenario? (laughs) I think they're Amazon. (laughs) So they go. Ah, Bezos. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So the two of them, like, you know, they do the fucking whole thing. You know, Gurney hangs up, but then, like, he looks at Stilgar and Gurney and he says this thing where he's like, I would have you both be friends. And they both have to go, like, Hmm. And fucking, they do the Lord of the Rings, fucking right. grab each other by the forearm thing, being like, I guess I like you, Bad fucking bullshit. other dude. But wait, he hasn't tried to kill Jessica yet. This is the scene. Gurney thinks that Jessica is the traitor. So they go to have the whole meetup. They're like, you know, so we're going to show everybody because now Gurney gets to see all of this bullshit that he hadn't seen before because this, like, he didn't know anything about the Fremen because he's been a smuggler this whole time just trying to make money and just, like, randomly killing as many Harkonnens as he can, right? I, that's an, I, I didn't look it up. I have to look it up. If there are books about Gurney Halleck's, mm. like, that two years of him as a, a fucking smuggler. That's like a that's good, a, like, Mandalorian yeah, spin-off dude. type show. Oh, my God, would I watch that fucking show. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, but he, uh, he goes back. He's supposed to kill fucking Jessica. So right before the scene, Stilgar basically says, okay, uh, you're going to have to kill me because Gurney shows up. It's all the shit's going on. He's like, I know this is how it goes. You're supposed to be the boss of the Fremen because you're more powerful than me. Um, not only are you supposed to kill me, but if I were to attack you or you're the least on Al-Gaib, that means like I would have to drop my sword if I were going to strike you because the two of us are like, you have to exist, but I also can't exist anymore. And basically Paul says, who do you think would be my treasurer of the interior? You know what I mean? Like, who, who do you think would be the hand of the king if I was gone? And so, because all of these old men, they always have to do thing being like, kill me for honor. Right. You kill me now. Kill me just to, to spare you. Meanwhile, like, Paul's like, I fucking need you, bro. Gurney sees Jessica for the first time, thinks Jessica's the fucking traitor. He goes to kill Jessica. Of course, she fucking kicks his, they fucking, yeah. fucking takes the fucking bullshit away. And again, he, she fucks the Paul bullshit. looks at him and he's just like, She's not the traitor. I talked to my poppy. I fucking, I wish I could fucking put the memory of it into your fucking dick here, bro. I wish you could understand this fucking bullshit. Then Gurney's like, oh God, what a horrible mistake I've made. Kill me. Right. Now you kill me. And then so, uh, you did that three times already today, bro. Paul I can't, can't literally has a line being like, what's wrong with all of you old men? <laughs> I mean, like, stop trying to make me kill you. Right. And so everything's chill. But guess what? In all this fucking bullshit, he sat there. He thought they were going to go south to go kill the fucking, to, to go meet up. He thought they were going to go south to go meet up with all the women and maybe get some squirt going. and Or maybe, you know, because he, he knows that the Fremen are panicking because they're just kind of picking things off. There's, it's total chaos because he is the prophet. But as we're going to see, especially in book two, Paul has a problem with inaction. Because he has so many views of the future already. It cripples him. It cripples him. He doesn't know what to do. So he's like, 
I have to see if I really am the Quitsack Cataract. I'm only seeing these little chunks and, and driblets of the future. So he goes and sneaks a little bit of the water of life, which he was not supposed to ever have. And he goes. And, and I'm not going to define what that is. You have to listen to the last fucking episode. Yes. Twits. Yeah. Fucking catch up. <laughs> so he goes and he drinks the tiniest little drop of it. Ooh, And he makes a little. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. He makes a little noise. Yeah. And he goes to sleep. <laughs> He falls into a deep, deep coma. Right. His penis curls up like a little tail, like a little pig's tail. So now, what this reminds me of, because guess what it's like? Resurrecting, dying, resurrecting, fake desert wizards. All right. I think I know what I think guy, I know a man's name you're thinking of. This right guy, now. I mean, it's very similar. The Osiris myth, there's many people take the idea that because we've already seen him go away, he came back as the prophet. Now he goes to sleep and it's so close to death that nobody can determine the difference. They don't know whether or not he's dead or not. So Jessica think, has this intuition. She says, I'll call Cheney up from the Southlands, from Miami Beach, right? So right. she comes from she's fucking Miami breaking. Beach. Yeah, she's, she's been, spring breaking. She's been going crazy out there. She's down there with LeBron, Oceanside. Yep. Bud Light Lime. All day long, fucking Margaritaville. She comes back to in a very blessed ornithopter to back to Siege Tibir. She's the only one who can wake him up. And she doesn't do it by blowing him. Right. She just well, how could she? It's a little uh, pigtail. You got to fucking. The only way to make a man's penis stand up for when it's gone inside is you actually have to poke him in the asshole. <laughs> oh, but boy. when he wakes up from that. Missed that chapter. He now knows for a fact that he is the Quitsack Cataract because he has gone deep, deep down into his own mind. We're going to talk about this a lot next week because we're going to talk about the train that this that this shuts off towards book two. Right. But he says the, these statements, which I love, of where he was gone. That is in each of us an ancient force that takes and an ancient force that gives. A man finds little difficulty facing that place within himself where the taking force dwells. But it's almost impossible for him to see into the giving force without changing into something other than man. For a woman, the situation is reversed. Do you understand me, mother? Because remember, the Quitsack Hatterack can see to where men understand versus to where women can understand. These things are so ancient within us that they're ground into each separate cell of our bodies. We're shaped by such forces. You can say to yourself, yes, I see how such a thing may be. But when you look inward and confront the raw force of your own life unshielded, you see your peril. You see that this could overwhelm you. The greatest peril to the giver is the force that takes. The greatest peril to the taker is the force that gives. It is as easy to be overwhelmed by giving as by taking. You excited? Yeah. Uh, I, and, and yes. I'm at the fulcrum of the two, is what he says. I cannot give and without taking, and I cannot take without give. I'm a good guy. But they find out that he was channeling an old dude, which is going to make everybody kind of weird. Being like, oh, what the hell is going on here? Because what we now know about abomination, what we're going to talk about later on, is that the abomination, it means you have access to all of the previous memories that you're connected to. Yeah, well, you kind of right? glossed over just a second. Like, like the Reverend Mothers have access to all only the female line. But here in this moment, he's got access to all of everyone who came before him in his line, which is a massively intense family tree that he can reach back into. And of course, abomination, which we we have also explained, is is uh, essentially when one of those ghosts 
takes over. Takes over you and your whole thinking just becomes another person's identity. And you don't know who that person is. You don't know what that person's agenda is. And so, there's so many evil people potentially in your line. I mean, we already knew, of course, Harkonnen is-, is He's uh, right there. Jessica's daddy. He's right there. Baby and daddy. So Paul, when he realizes that when he, when he's deep down, he comes up with the plan. Finally, he comes up with the plan, which is this idea is that what he can see now he says, yes, I could see the future and I can see the past, but the most important thing is that I can see the now. I can see everything that is happening right now. So We're surrounded by fucking emperor ships right now. They're coming to kill us. They're looking for us actively. Their shit is fucking bullshit. Their shit is fucking bullshit. <laughs> and we're, we can carve it up. But what he realizes is this, what we have to do is that, I'll say it, I'll read it for you. Please. It's the guild. Again, they've been fighting with the guild and they've been buying the guild off with spice up until this point. Mother, you must change a quantity of the water for us. We need the catalyst. Cheney, have a scout force sent out to find a pre-spice mass. If we plant a quantity of the water of life above the pre-spice mass, do you know what will happen? The water of death! It will be a chain reaction. Spreading death among the little makers, killing a vector of the life cycle that includes the spice and the makers. Arrakis will become a true desolation without spice or maker. He who can destroy a thing has the real control of it. We can destroy the spice. So he realizes we're just going to fucking tell the emperor. We're sending, they basically caught these two Sardaukars. They're like, we're going to tell the emperor that we're going to fucking destroy this whole planet. Unless you leave us alone, essentially. And we're the only ones who can do it because we're fucking, we're killing you. Also, what begins in the next scene is simply one of my favorite phenomenons inside of the Dune world, which is a thing that Frank Herbert is obsessed with, which is babies that can speak like adults. <laughs> Aaliyah at this point, right? Yes, yes He's I agree. obsessed. It's just, it was such a buildup. You <laughs> built that up so heavy. And I was like, what is this badass thing going to be? <laughs> Babies that speak like adults. Just a little baby that's just like, hi, did you get it, life insurance yet? I is, know a guy. It is just <laughs> like this. These guys, because Aaliyah is, Aaliyah's having a hard time making friends. Queen of the Damned, yeah. Um, Aaliyah the Knife, that she'll end up being calling. They, um, she's really weird. And, and the reason why she's really weird is because she's two years old and she says stuff being like, I appreciate your fighting style. Um, and she can speak in full sentences and she's known full sentences since she was literally an infant. That's what I was like, trying to remember in rehashing this. I was like, isn't she two? She is When two, she does what she's about to do a bunch of crazy shit. She is two years old. She is already, they are afraid of her. They're physically very, very she's afraid She's like of spy her. kids. Worse than Spy Kids, they're at least like fucking ten. Technically, they can—they're supposed to be able to fucking talk, right? <laughs> yeah. How old? How when can a baby start? When does a baby start talking? I mean, as as a father to be, I could honestly tell you, I have no idea. It's got to be like seven. <laughs> when do babies talk? Say their first words. I think by fourteen. I think they say they can learn to say da da. And me made dookie. And me mamu dookie dookies. dookies. Oh, yeah, they might. Um, So, <laughs> I mean, I don't know, but not at two years. Two years old, they're not talking about fighting styles. Right. Um, they, She is very, very scary. Rack your look for spring at Nordstrom Rack and save up to 60% on brands you love. Rag & Bone, Vince, Marc Jacobs, Adidas, Joe's, and more. 
Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. Score new dresses, denim, sandals, designer bags, and sunglasses, plus updates for the family and home. Get your spring on for less, up to 60% less, today at your Nordstrom Rack store. What will you find? The legends are true. Overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Donald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. So, now that he has had the vision of what they're going to do, they've decided to lay their major offensive against the Harkonnens and what will soon to be the Empire. Eventually, they all show up because Harkonnen's in a lot of trouble. And you can see he is fucking sweating. He's just like, hard. I did not tell those men to storm that building. I was uh, not I, even, I, 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 I wasn't even I just that. insinuated that it might be a good idea to, <laughs> to storm, storm the meeting. that building. Yeah. <laughs> those flags didn't say Harkonnen on them. They said Harkonnen. Um, <laughs> so they go, this I will kind of, not yada, yada, yada it because right. it's just, this is like the last 70 pages of the book where it's just a massive battle. Yes. Where they go. It's cool with that, how they use the sandstorm. Oh, it's dope as hell. Yeah, yeah. They, they use the sandstorm to break through because they knew that was going to, what, short out the big force field, essentially. Because around this one thing that we never talked about is that, that we're going to talk about tech. Yes. I think in two episodes we're going to talk about yeah, tech. Yeah, yeah. We're going to go way more into all, ever, all the weaponry, all the ornithology, all that shit that is so nerdy. It would make your mom this think is, that, like she made a mistake. I'll call that episode you. the Valley of the Dry Gulch, <laughs> where if you are, it will erase any sexual feelings, yes. any any gender, any sexual feelings. Prepare to be more sexless than you were in middle school. Yes. Um, but they decide they basically have to get rid of the shields because they're not allowed to use shields in the desert because you find out that shields attract worms, right? So they get rid of their worm. It's a big all offensive. Everybody's just like, what? Um, they attack the southern area. They take all of the women and children hostage. One of those hostages is little baby Aaliyah, who acts as if she's a little baby until all of a sudden there's this like, I think the most notable scene at the end of the book is like, the emperor there, because we've never met the emperor really. Like you only hear descriptions of the emperor through Princess Irulan, the little the prologues, and um, he's like miffed, you know, because this shit got fucked up. And Harkonnen is also he didn't know what the hell's going on. The Fremen rip them up, absolutely destroy them in the process. Um, but they get to the scene where it's the emperor hanging out with this like. In the, and Harkonnen hanging out with this baby, an actual baby. And the baby starts acting really weird. They also got a reverend mother, right? Because now the Benny Jesuit, because technically everything's supposed to be under the lid of the Benny Jesuit. Benny and the Jesuit. They are supposed to, like, technically all this is supposed to be legit, right? But all of a sudden this baby starts talking to her. You babble old woman. You don't know how it was. Yet you rattle on like a pure blind fool. And then she goes into the brain of the Reverend Mother because she's got prescience. Like she's got, she is, she is a two-year-old Reverend Mother. She was inside of Jessica to rehash this when Jessica had the water of life and became a Reverend Mother, which uh, essentially 
completely affected Aaliyah at, at the same time and gave her the same wild powers of other memories. And they and don't know who the stuff. hell she is because Aaliyah, because the thing is that when Aaliyah connects into that line, she like jumps into the mind of the Reverend Mother. And yeah. she's like, she's in my mind. How is she in my mind? Like the others. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, she's just going like, and she's going, they're all saying like, kill her, kill her. And then the emperor is like, silence. Child, can you communicate with your brother right now? My brother knows I'm here. Can you tell him to surrender as the price of your life? Huh? I shall not do that. <laughs> okay. Baron's just like, fine, um, I guess uh, that's okay with me. Ma Majesty, um, you interrupt me once more, Baron, and you will lose the powers of interruption forever. Oh, you know, huh? Can you read in my mind what you will do if you disobey me, child? I've already said I cannot read mine. Shouldn't have taken that sativa edible before this freaked me out. You should probably get some kind of water or something. <laughs> but one doesn't need telepathy to read your intentions. Ah. <laughs> oh, it is not wise to go against my desires, child. You should not deny me this least thing. My brother comes now. Even an emperor may tremble before Mordib, for he has the strength of righteousness and heaven smiles upon him. Um, and then finally, they're like, they're all trying to fight her. So finally, Baron's like, fuck this. I'm going to go grab this little girl. Being like, he's like, oh, you have her majesty. They grab. He's, he's like, I will kill you myself. Shall I dispatch her now? And then, oh, oh. And Lulia says, I'm sorry, grandfather. Yeah, boy. You're my grandpa. <laughs> You've met the Atreides Gomjabar. She fucking kills Harkonnen herself. Very cool. Which is going to be very interesting later on in the future. Yeah, um, uh, for sure. Knowing what I know about uh, Messiah of... Actually, no, wait. Does it come in more in Children of... Oh, no, of, it's, 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 it's it's more in Children of more Dune. More in Children of Dune. Yes. That, that That is going to have massive ramifications Absolutely. moving forward for sure. But very remember, cool, though. now the fight is the basically the the fight has come the very ba last battle. Fade Rautha has to challenge uh, Paul. Real like, quick, are they going to get a real two year old girl? Like, no, can you won't. imagine what no, that's going to be? Never in the do movie? that. They It'll never be, do anything fun. They'll they'll time jump to where she's like fifteen or they something. They just will make her fucking fifteen years old. Yeah, they're yeah. not going to make her. Well, a then child. they wouldn't be able to do two years. They'd probably just be ambiguous with the time jump and be like, oh, it sort of was like ten years. The book is the movie is just going to be. Stormtroopers with sand. Okay, <laughs> let's just all just fake. Let's just all just know for a fact that it's going to be slightly boring. At least they didn't get a super jacked, crazy ass Paul. Like at least they did Paul right. Yeah, like, no, Timothy Chalamet is, is great. Yeah, yeah. Timothy is great. But so the very end, essentially, they threaten the emperor. We're going to destroy the spice here. The thing that Paul realized in his final vision was he's still like obsessed with this idea of being like, oh no, all of this is gonna, oh no, we're gonna have to kill so many people on our universe-wide jihad. Yeah. And he keeps having this idea like, I'll stop it. Like, I'll be the one who stops it. And he's not. He, every single time he does this next thing, because he's like, okay, what I'm gonna do is I'll just make sure I'll control every single possible thing so that I'll make certain that we don't head into whatever this jihad-ridden future that we have in front of us, even though it's coming. It's absolutely coming. So he keeps trying to say, it's like, but now what I'll do is I'll do this the right way. I'm going to, you're the emperor, you're going to abdicate the throne. 
I'm going to be the, you're going to allow me to be Duke here. I'm going to stay here in this dukedom. You're going to marry me to your daughter officially. I'm going to do the thing that my father never got to do to shore myself up with the Landsrod and with everybody, all the legit people. I'm going to make this a legit holding. And then everybody's going to rejoice, right? And so everyone, and it does have the feeling of, because all of this happens in the last two pages of the book. And then everyone just goes like, yay. <laughs> and, you know, and you're like, all right, I'm a judge. And then the very last sentence is what I love. Yes. Jessica finally turns to Cheney because they've been at it this whole time because she was never particularly yeah. into Cheney. But once Cheney is the only one that could wake up her son, and now they kind of see that we're in this together. One of like the most startling last lines of a book for some reason that I've ever had or that I've ever known. I don't know why there's something about this because it ends I, so abruptly. This, the ending of this book was the biggest thing that made me want to like keep reading the series. Yes. The ending was brilliant. So Paul says this to the two women staring at him. I swear to you now that you'll need no title, that the woman over there will be my wife and you but a concubine, because this is a political thing, and we must weld peace out of this moment, enlist the great houses of the Landsrider, we must obey the forms. Yet that princess shall have no more of me than my name, no child of mine, nor touch, nor softness of glance, nor instant of desire. So you say now, Cheney says, and then Jessica, do you know so little of my son? See that princess standing there, so haughty and confident? They say that she has the pretensions of a literary nature. Hey! Shut up! <laughs> Let us hope she finds solace in such things. She'll have little else. <laughs> Think on it, Cheney. That princess will have the name, yet she'll live as less than a concubine. I can hear you guys. Shut up, please. <laughs> Let me finish. Never to know a moment of tenderness from the man to whom she's bound. Like a real stupid bitch. While we, Cheney, we who carry the name of concubine, history will call us wives. The end of the book. <laughs> um, and uh, uh, also, little note there, Princess Irulan is that concubine who has been introing every single chapter. Yes, you find out that she ends up, and then, it's so for right now. from her texts, all from those her texts, little quotes. The collections of the more And this is, is going to run through the whole series is that every single chapter is going to open with a quote from somebody's text or from some sacred text, and that will always eventually kind of come into the play in the story in a really interesting way. Yes. On like every every single time. A lot of times it'll be very directly a plot function, the, those opening little bits that you, ne you don't even realize it till near yes. the end of the book. And I think the cool thing about the end of this whole story is like, Paul is standing on this precipice of this being this like essentially the a new Jesus, a new Jesus to Christ. lead all these people, and then realizes like, oh shit, what the monster that I've created, like, oh, it's out of control, baby. That fucking control. that that worm is out of the barn, my friend. So it's really fun, I think, right now in a world where superheroes are more popular than they've ever been. Well. To look at a, what Frank Herbert was doing that entire time, of course. And this is a story that's kind of you know now it's kind of perfunctory because there's like there's that show the boys on amazon which is about you know like bad boy superheroes yeah, right totally. but it really started with i mean dune is the first one to really you'll see dune messiah that book talks about the fact that someone with so much power so much influence why do we think that they are not going to slowly but surely pull away from mankind and lose any sort of context for how to rule and how to be. When you are sitting from a perch 
of power and intensity and privilege of mind, right? Where you believe you see the whole future. There's a book that I loved called The Brat Pack by Rick Veitch that is the, it's before Watchmen and it's about the life of sidekicks. Oh, I nice. should give you this. Yeah, I would love to read it's that. It's like, it's fucked. Cause it's like Watchmen, but it's also just about like, these little kids that are basically used as, because he wrote it in response to when they killed off Robin in the 80s. And he wrote this like basically idea of these kids are just used as fucking bullet shields for superheroes. Right. And they're disposable little lives. It's very, That's very, awesome. That's it's awesome. very intense. Um, but it, this sets off a whole genre. Mm-hmm. And again, this is just set up. So for- this next eight episodes, you're going to go deeper, deeper into I- this, the hexology. Of Dune. <laughs> I will say, Frank, there's a quote from Frank Herbert. Dune was aimed at this whole idea of the infallible leader because my view of history says the mistakes made by a leader or made in a leader's name are amplified by the numbers who follow without question. Absolutely. Don't storm the building. Stop anything that requires you to wear a hat. A hat uh, that is a, a signifier It's of always allegiance. bad. It's, it's always, always bad. bad. Just wear it. To one man, especially. Just never support Stick to one graphic person. tees. <laughs> um, but all right, so this has been the wrap-up of Dune 1. We'll I, be back next week with I, some more. I will say we just we skipped over that whole badass fight with um uh the poison spur. Oh, I mean the thing about those fights <laughs> is that you really have to read the book. I really think that you have to read the you have to Well anyway, Paul Paul defeats the Emperor's little Oh yeah, it beats the fuck out of him. And then that was it was it's almost anticlimactic in a way. He's just just romps him. But I will say it does say like Paul is a step forward from his dad. His dad fell for the poison. He did. Paul will not fall for the poison. He won't. Paul will end up having, and and yeah, I think for me, I think the series really, for me, cuts into a much higher gear in Messiah to me, because I think the in, all the setup of this book yes. is an awesome, fun action movie. Fun action a, movie. I love defying people's expectations and stuff like this, so I yes. love that like, Dune Messiah was a hilariously like, a let weird down. let down Everyone for a lot was of people, so pissed at Dune Messiah when I it came out. I absolutely loved it. I totally get it, too, because they want more action, more... Oh, yeah, they want the, the continued adventures of Paul Atreides. Yeah. And, That's what they want. And but, instead, Paul's like, I don't want to be this thing. Absolutely. Dune Messiah is... The entire book is about inaction. Yes. It is about what happens when you know you're barreling towards and need a specific thing to happen yeah. in the future. And everyone's looking to you, too, of... of uh, y- you're this, the leader. You're number one. We love you, buddy. And, and you know like, what's going to happen. I don't want to be number one. It's like in a in Life of Brian when he's like, uh, what, what, when he, what does he say to everybody? He's like, I will not follow the flock. And everyone's like, I will not. You know what I mean? Oh, like, yeah, 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 exactly. Yes, he is... He, immediately is his terrible purpose has become this horrible, horrible burden because what if the thing that you think that needs to be done to take care of all society also involves you losing everything Mm -hmm. because Paul in Dune Messiah, he is the sacrificial God, right? Because, and, and we'll, we will follow that, especially next week. We're going to talk a lot about this. We're going to talk a lot about, what it means to know the future. How must it feel to be? You remember when Nate Silver knew the future? And it's also the paradox of of knowing the future and how that confines your ability to act. Oh, yes, of course. And how you don't really know the future. Yeah. Because 
Shit's fucked. <laughs> and cock is whack. avoided it. Yep. <laughs> uh, all right. Here we go. We did go. it, man. Dune one's out of the way. Yeah. Now we're into, I'm going to say, now we're actually reading Dune. We're into the real shit, as they say, if we were in some sort of a Vietnam War mm-hmm. scenario. This is our Saigon. We're just hanging out at the camp and we're listening to- And we will all go back right? together. And we're like hanging out at the camp and they're like, no, the real shit's when they put you in the helicopter and take you deep into that jungle. That's where we're headed. Yep. We're going to, we're going to Colonel Kurtz. Yep. Real soon. All, All right. Fuckers, so thank you for listening to Dunecast. Enjoy all the other shows on LPN Network, Glass Podcast and Love, Wizard and the Bruiser, Page 7, Pop History, uh, No Dogs in Space, uh, Able Lincoln Stop It, uh, Kind of Fun, No Dogs in Space. I said that. Um, Count some Dracula's Big Fang Fun uh, Hour. Tra- Count Dracula's Big Fang Fun Hour is going to be such a, a deep dive into teeth. Yes. <laughs> we got everything you need here on LPN. It's a deep dive into teeth. And now for a selection from Dune Theater. We now join the Baron Harkonnen. Padishah Emperor Shaddam IV and Aaliyah in the Baron Harkonnen's secret chambers. Tis I, Padishah Emperor Shaddam IV. Um, Baron, are we fucked? Yes, yes, I believe in the word, Emperor. Yes, we are fucked. Hold up, hold up. Do you see that out the window? Is that, is that a sandworm? Holy fucking shit. Is that Paul on top of it? Yes, it's the most dangerous creature on this planet and, uh, He's riding it like a horse. Heidi ho, Heidi hi, Heidi ho. I'm the little girl that's here to kill you. Did that toddler just talk? This toddler can also strategize, murder in cold blood, and break a man with my love making. Whoa, whoa. I'm not expecting that. Hold on a second. What's happening here? We've got a teenager outside literally murdering everybody, and now there's an actual tiny child with a... The hell is that? How's the trainees going to bar? The high-handed enemy! Feel its bite! Oh, oh, oh! Oh, oh! I just got stabbed like four times just then. You only need the one with the gum to bar, but... Oh, this has been over the top! Oh, you gotta get a doctor! Give me a doctor! He just floated up to the ceiling. Yeah! I'm the main bitch now! You're in Aaliyah's house! Uh, let's just strike a deal or something here, alright? Uh, you know what they say about me. I'm a pretty decent guy, okay? I actually liked your dad so much. I genuinely feel bad destroying him and your whole entire family line. What do you say, Aaliyah? I'm good for it, Aaliyah. Please, Aaliyah. Just listen to reason for a second here. Take me to Build a Bear. Build a Bear Workshop? I fucking love that place! This show is made possible by listeners like you. 
Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. Price drop. Time to shop. Get to a Nordstrom Rack store today for first dibs on new markdowns. Now score even more, up to 70% off brands everyone loves at Nordstrom Rack. Denim, dresses, sneakers, tops, and more. Plus, get genius deals on jackets, sweaters, and boots for the whole family. Shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and save up to 70% with new markdowns. But hurry, deals this great won't last. The legends are true. Overwhelming power! sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last.